It's just a, a bought-in husband and wife that says, man, we're going all the way. Mm-hmm. God has a heart for his church. That's what he that's what he bled out and died for. They're fully cashed in. Their home becomes a place for ministry. Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Marriage is a wonderful gift from God. Uh, It's the very first institution that God established for mankind here on earth. Uh, But if there's anything that we can learn from Adam and Eve is that it can be really difficult to be married and to stay on mission and not be distracted by, by worldly things. Even good Christian marriages can so easily get distracted with the cares of this world and with the joys of building a family. We can often uh, dissociate our home life from our ministry life. We can lose sight of our divine purpose in the Lord, what he's called us to do. But thankfully, the New Testament presents us with a model marriage through the Apostle Paul's friends uh, and, and ministry partners, in fact, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, who we will be discussing today on this show. And with that, we have invited my dear friend, Pastor Jay Shug, pastor of Community Fellowship Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama, to talk about Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, Jay was the guest speaker this year at the Wedstrong Retreat in Nashville. And uh, it was such a wonderful time, and we we had such a great time together. I wanted to bring him on the show in order to talk with you uh, about what he taught upon. And so with that, Jay, welcome to the show, man. Hey, what's up, Brandon? It's good to see you again. I'm so glad to be on the show with you and and to talk about this subject. I think um, uh, the, you know, the names Aquila and Priscilla, they get invoked a lot. Uh, but I don't think people have actually, you know, oftentimes I don't, I don't feel like people really understand what they're, they're, they're talking about. Aquila and Priscilla are, are really unique characters in scripture. And I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with you about that today. But before we do, I, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about Wedstrong and about the conference uh, what it's about, because we want to extend an invitation to people to come and join us next year. We want people to to recognize the value of investing in, in their marriages. Can you tell us just a little bit about Wedstrong and, and what people can expect from going to uh, to this retreat? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Wedstrong is just an amazing marriage conference. Uh, one of the things that you can expect, uh, my wife and I were joking about this, one of the things that you can expect at Wedstrong is adult conversation without kids interrupting. Uh, mm. <laughs> jokingly, jokingly, you can actually get around other people and and not have the tug and and you know the tug on the pant leg or whatever. Jokingly, no right, yeah. no bat no bathroom breaks. Uh, taking your kids to the bathroom, so those are those are two mm. positives uh, right off the bat. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, you know, Wedstrong is an amazing conference, um, biblically based teaching on marriage. Uh, none of us have it all figured out. Uh, I think I think all of us, you know truly desire to have better marriages, uh, not only for what it benefits us personally, but for the ministry uh, that God's called us to. And so this is a great opportunity to sit under our teaching uh, for men of God that love God, that that are pastors, um, man, and many of them have done premarital counseling for so many couples. I know you you personally mm-hmm. have had the privilege of marrying you know many people in your ministry. And so, mm-hmm. man, you can sit under guys that have 
you know, a passion for God's word, a passion for the ministry, uh, and that have impacted so many different people's lives uh, all together, all in one setting. And, uh, you know, biblical teaching and principles, fellowship with the body of Christ, uh, and it's just fun, man. You get away, uh, yeah. you have some time with your spouse. It's it's just a wonderful weekend to invest in your marriage. Now, you know, uh, Baptists have been doing uh, marriage retreats like this for a really long time. And uh, I think, you know, for me, historically, hearing about marriage retreats, they often they often come across as a little bit cheesy and, um, they, you know, I, I've always had a lot of reservations about it. And uh, you have a you have a wonderful story, in fact, about this very thing. And so, can you share with us both the woes of of marriage conferences, but then also the blessing that they can be if you if you find one that's actually biblical? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, my wife and I uh, this year we celebrated uh, twenty three years of marriage, and so we got married in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a that was a genius move on my end, uh, if I must say so. Just because I always know, yeah. you know how many years, so. Uh, so 23 no, years, great. and uh, but man, we got married in 2000. Uh, I think the first year we got we were married, uh, our church uh, was joining a couple other churches for a marriage conference, and so you know there's this big push. Hey, come to this marriage conference if you're married. This will be great. And uh, we've been married a year. Uh, we were doing ministry before we were married. After we got married, we just continued serving in our college ministry. And uh, mm-hmm. we had a great thing going. And so we go to this marriage conference, and uh, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't really know how these things work. And uh, man, listen, uh, without you know going too far into the details, <laughs> we went with a really good marriage, what I thought was a really good marriage. And we, we ended up getting this huge fight uh, at, at this marriage conference. And it, it was really, and it was just, you know, you use the word cheesy, I, I would agree. It was like, man, what is going on? Uh, we were challenged to like examine each other. We had like checklist of things that we were supposed to ask questions about each other and grade each other on. And uh, it was just really, um, it, it really wasn't edifying. As a matter of fact, we we actually left critical of each other, and we didn't we didn't go there mm. with that intention at all. And so I I personally said, you know what, uh, man, I'm gonna probably pass on the marriage conference thing uh, from here yeah, on out. I, bet. I got a right. Bible. I got the Holy Spirit. I've got a local church. We have ministry. Um, I'm just going to let these things kind of guide me. So I was a little skittish uh, for years, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. And uh, a few years later, uh, a friend of mine invited me uh, to a marriage conference. It, it had to be six years later. Uh, so I was just hesitant to go to this anymore, uh, personally. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good friend invited me. Uh, Pastor Mark was doing uh, a marriage conference for yeah. his church. And yeah, I Pastor think this Mark was, Trotter. Pastor Mark Trotter. And uh, I think this was before Wedstrong officially was branded. Um, mm-hmm. The Pastor Mark had a passion for marriages. And so uh, we were invited, and it was a dear friend that invited us. And, man, we were still kind of like a little skeptical, like, ah, I'm not sure. And so we... We get off work on a Friday. We drive to this marriage conference. We come in like on two wheels. You know, we're late. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already we've already missed the praise and worship. We've we've missed the beginning. I mean, it's it's like sermon time. I I have never met Mark Trotter in my life. And, uh, oh, and really? So we, At this point, you didn't didn't know what to did expect. Not, did not know who he was. 
didn't know anything about uh, man his preaching, uh, his burden for marriages. And so we we walk in, we sit down, and like literally he's getting up to start preaching. And uh, within the first three minutes, I was like, oh my goodness. And so I looked over to my wife mm. and I said, I give me a notebook, give me, give me something to write on. Because we got there late. We didn't get the the notebook, you know, we didn't get the blank right, yeah. to, to yeah. fill in. <laughs> and so she reaches in her purse, man, and she grabs this uh, spiral notebook. And I'm like, give me a pen. And so she gives me this purple pen. And uh, it was it was October of 2007. I've still got the notebook. Oh, wow. I've still got the date and everything on it. That's great. And man, I just started writing everything that he was teaching. And it, mm-hmm. it, it blew me away. Uh, man, biblical exegesis concerning what God says about marriage and our relationships and how God designed it. And um, man, it, we, we were blown away. Uh, first experience mm. compared to second experience, and so, um, yeah, man, I'm just so thankful. The 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 problem is, and I think this is what you're kind of getting at and are, are alluding to, is that when the church adopts a model for marriage that is comes from the secular world, um, yeah. it's never going to be satisfying, and it will result in lots of uh, comparison and judgment right. and um, and you know very physical temporal viewpoints. Uh, that, right. that that will dominate your marriage, and and so we don't need we don't need the love languages, and uh, right. we don't need you know um, men are from Mars and women are from Venus or whatever. We don't need like the world's view right. on right. what marriage should be. We need God's view, and I think that's what Wedstrong represents a, a very biblical um, approach to God and how He views uh, the significance of being married. Yeah, I, I would completely agree. And for and for us, uh, it was exactly what we needed. And mm. we we at that point said, "Hey, this is actually valuable for our marriage." Uh, we made a commitment. Hey, we, we want to do this every year. Like, if, man, if God would mm-hmm. open the opportunity for us, uh, we we're still learning. Um, man, we we want to grow. And and so for us, man, every year from that point, we view that as an investment into our marriage, and we. We want to go see what the Bible says, and so you know, for for those that may be watching and you know, maybe have a little skepticism like I had, man, listen, yeah. it's worth it. Yeah, and I think God, and God will honor His word, you know, and bless you mm-hmm. uh, for receiving it. And 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 I think now now you know God's using you. You know, you've you've come a long ways from that time, um, and, yeah. and now God's using you to speak into the lives of other married couples, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, so we're going to talk about Aquila and Priscilla today. And just by way of introduction, uh, can you tell us about who they are and, and how they pop up in our New Testament? And and we're going to talk about how, you know, what the Bible says about them. And we're going to get into the specifics here in a minute. But but just to give us an overall view of what, you know, the, we look at the Bible and it's like, we see a lot of marriages in the Old Testament. A lot of them aren't great. <laughs> like a lot of the Old Testament marriages <laughs> Uh, they, they, or maybe they start great and they, you know, they got some serious issues or maybe they, they start bad and they end, they end good. But, but there's a lot of marriages in the old Testament. There's not a whole lot because, you know, we don't have a narrative, a lot of narrative happening in the new Testament. A lot of these are letters to churches. And so, um, we don't get 
you know, a thorough examination of characters and what marriage looks like in the, in the lives of, of people living out the mission. But Aquila and Priscilla represent really our primary New Testament model, and they're really important. Can you tell us a little bit about who they are and how they're introduced to us in the Bible? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it is, to your point, it is interesting as we, as we study the New Testament, God has a lot of instruction about marriage. Uh, but as you look at where the, the proof text and the examples of, of human relationships that we can see that, uh, by name in the New Testament, uh, man, it's very narrow. There's a very narrow mm-hmm. uh, perspective of, of what God reveals to us. And so this Aquila and Priscilla, uh, God introduces them in the book of Acts for us, Acts chapter 18, and uh, they end up connecting uh, with Paul in Corinth as, as Paul's on his missionary journey, second missionary journey, and he ends up in Corinth. Uh, they ended up in Corinth because of persecution uh, and having to flee uh, their home in Rome. And uh, in the midst of that persecution, God brought them to a place uh, where they were introduced to Paul, introduced, I believe, to the gospel, connected with a strong ministry in Corinth. And that was the beginnings of uh, an amazing marriage that God used for his ministry all throughout the rest of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Every single time they're mentioned, it's in a positive context, uh, and they're always doing something ministry-related. And so uh, for me personally, I look at Aquila and Priscilla as a model for me and for my wife. Like, hey, we know that Christ in the church is the perfect picture of marriage, but man, if there's a human example that we can see in scriptures that we can also pair to that, uh, I think Aquila and Priscilla would be it. Mm. You know, one of the things you mentioned, I think, is really important to the to the story of Aquila and Priscilla is that they're found in Corinth, which in our New Testament is is like the worldliest city. You know, I mean, uh, everything broken about um, you know male female relationships was taking place. There was prostitution in the city was rampant, divorce mm-hmm. in the church was rampant. There were you know all kinds of really terrible examples in their in society about what marriage relationships should look like. And here you have this kind of shining light coming out of that. And it reminds us that, that, you know, even though our world is super broken, like devastatingly broken in this, this area, uh, we can have um, profitable, fruitful marriage relationships, despite the fact that everything around us is crumbling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think, I think through their life, we see just an example of, of submissiveness to God's Word from the very beginning in their life and uh, a willingness to go wherever God leads. And uh, again, what a great example for us in the New Testament of biblical marriage, not not for their own sake, uh, for their own happiness, mm-hmm. for their own benefit, uh, but for the ministry. And I think, I think— yeah. I think for me, that's one of the key takeaways from their their life is that, and, and, and even at Wedstrong, you know, I, I caution our our people at our church. Hey, listen, I want you to go to Wedstrong, but you know, your motive uh, to be happy in your marriage is as as good of a thing as that is. It's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to please God with your marriage, and if you'll do yeah. that, then you'll have a joy that supersedes your own selfish. Um, your own selfish happiness. And so we see that in their life, man. They're always together and God's always using them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you laid out a bunch of things that we can learn 
uh, from their ministry, from their life, from from what they're doing together. And so I, I want to walk through those things with you and give Jay just an opportunity to to share that with our listeners. And and hopefully it'll it'll give you uh, a biblical assessment, you know, of where you're at in your relationship with your spouse. And 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 or you know, we have a lot of listeners that are young that are hoping to get married in the future. Maybe they're in dating relationships or they haven't found someone yet, but but they know that there has to be something better than what they saw in their parents. You know, I think a lot of us had examples right. growing up that weren't very good. And, yeah. um, and we learn marriage from them. Um, and even right. when we say to ourselves, I think, I think a lot of times we say to ourselves, well, we don't want marriage. I don't want a marriage that looked like my parents' marriage. Or there, I, I can see some things that were wrong there and I don't want to do those things. But the problem is that you grew up in that. Like right. it's kind of innate, right? It gets, it, those things get uh, invested in you. And then you come into marriage, even like consciously saying like, I, I don't want my marriage to look this way or that. But then ultimately we still have a lot of undoing because mm-hmm. we've learned really bad habits or, or we've had really bad examples. I think, you know, today we have an opportunity to look at a good example and kind of yeah. work through and assess where, where we're at in our view of marriage. It's overcoming the uh, the nature and the nurture, so to speak, right, in our life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all have a sin mm-hmm. nature, but we all we also have experiences that many times we let define us or define our world worldview uh, and even our marriage worldview. Like, hey, we we grew up in a home, and and that is a very limited exposure that we had, the only exposure we had, and uh, and yet God's word is greater than both our nature and our nurture. Uh, we can. We can have victory, yeah, for sure, through what God teaches us. So, yeah, not not to belabor this, but like I, th- I think a therapy culture or a overly psychologized, you know, culture. A lot of times, we're taught to kind of make do with what we've been given, right? In other words, you can still be happy even though everything about your perspective is broken and messed up. Like we don't actually recognize that the whole point of God's word is that we would be transformed. Like there's a transformation that's supposed to take place. And so even though it seems really hard, like there may be people that are listening to today's episode and they say to themselves, well, you know, marriage has been really difficult for me. Like there's Mm -hmm. things about my marriage I just can't seem to get beyond. Things just don't seem to be working. Well, the beautiful thing is that God doesn't just want to um, pat you on the back and say, it's going to be okay, you know, uh, you know, suffer for a little while, then you'll be dead and it'll be over. (laughs) Like that's not the point. The point is he wants to transform (laughs) things. He wants to, he makes old things new. Like that's the business right. that he's in is, is making things that don't work um, completely new so that they're functioning in light of, of what he desires. I'm going to really uh, just probe and, and present these things to you. And I'm going to let you just kind of uncover them and, and, and walk us through what we see here. Uh, there's some really critical traits that we find in uh, Aquila and Priscilla's marriage and, uh, and so let's try to make application from that. So the first thing that you mentioned in the list that you sent me is that they're always together in misery. That's the very first thing that you started with is, <laughs> is that they're, they're together in misery, which I, you know, I assume means really difficult circumstances. So maybe you can talk to us about that and, and explain what you mean. Yeah. Well, the misery is not just from being married. Let me just clarify. Mm, uh, that's from, good. Yeah. <laughs> From the beginning, right? Uh, yeah, so it is interesting scripturally, right? The first, the first uh, mention uh, of their names in scripture is uh, the fact that they're 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 fleeing Rome, Acts chapter eighteen and verse two, 
Well, let me just read Acts 18, 1 and 2. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And so, and so, man, right here in our introduction uh, to this to this couple, we see that man, they're they're experiencing persecution. They're having to leave their home. Uh, they're fleeing from from Rome now to Corinth. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. thing. It's Roman persecution against the Jews. And so, you know, I think a practical just application for marriage is that, man, there are difficult times in marriages. And um, I know in our own marriage, uh, we were married within our first year. My wife was still in college. Uh, I was the, the the only breadwinner. You know, I was working a full-time job. Within our first year of marriage, uh, I lost my job. And uh, I worked in physical therapy. And, and our field uh, was flooded. Uh, you couldn't find a job in our local area unless you wanted to move, you know, to another state. And so we had a few months of uh, difficulty uh, in our marriage right mm. out of the gate, right out of the gate. And, uh, and so the, the beautiful thing that I see in Aquila, Priscilla, and, and certainly in my own marriage is that when you go through difficulty in your marriage, God has you together. God wants you to stay together. Uh, this is external difficulty caused by someone else. And yet mm-hmm. you have you have that spouse that you can lean on. Uh, certainly you both lean on the Lord, but you're, you're a team. God puts you together to do ministry. And even, even when it's hard, you can stay together. And man, most marriages, you know right. this, I know this, man. As soon as things get hard, uh, people genuinely look for a way out in their marriage. They look for the suffering to stop. Um, mm-hmm. Again, maybe a wrong perspective that God, through that through that misery, can actually be glorified, and God may be teaching you something through that misery because right. because because later what we're going to see is Aquila and Priscilla. Man, once they connect with Paul, we find them all over the place. They're moving all over the place for the ministry's sake, and and so who's to say that God didn't use that that persecution in their marriage to actually make them more available? Uh, for God's ministry. That's a beautiful picture. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think that God gives us. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I think what we see is that they're being refined. You know, this yeah. kind of sets the stage, the standard for hardship, and uh, it gives them the ability, learning from, from you know, this displacement um, and, and this kind of persecution, it prepares them. And then what we see is them choosing hardship yeah. Now they're not just it's not just circumstantial anymore. Now they're saying, you know what? We're going to do that hard thing. We're going to go into the fire because we're no longer afraid. And I think that's a really powerful and important thing uh for us to to consider as it concerns marriage relationships is that we need to we do need to learn how to do hard things. There are so many difficult things that arise in marriage and the divorce rate kind of it, what it does is it proves to us um that marriage is hard. And, you know, one of the things that we learn, I think, if we just look at the statistics and the research is that there's a handful of circumstantial things that can happen in a marriage that uh, produce division. F- finances are one mm-hmm. of those things. I'm, I'm sure as a pastor, oftentimes you realize that a lot of the infighting in, in a home has to has to do with, uh, you know, difficult financial situations. Um, 
Another thing uh, that, that often comes up is loss. So not knowing how to grieve together. If a family member dies, it could be a child, it could be, it, it could be a, a mother, a father, a close relative, someone passes away. And then in the midst of the grieving process, in the midst of, of, of that circumstance, there can be really uh, difficult trauma in the relationship and, and people really just don't know what to do. And so um, they, can't, they don't know how to endure difficult things. And, and I think that's one of the things that we do see in, in Aquila and Priscilla is that they know how to go through that. Yeah. And I, and I think they, they actually, I think, it, like you said, it, it's things that our, our marriages will experience. Those things should actually bring us closer together. As, as we grow closer to God, man, our, our marriages should be stronger because of those things that we've, we've gone through. Like, listen, man, I, you know, 23 years and I'm still learning and, and I'm, and I have an amazing wife and we've been through, uh, man, the good, the bad, the thick, the thin, we've been through battles, we've got the scars and, uh, and there's mm. nobody that I would rather go to war with than my wife, man. She, Right. She is a rock star, and uh, and I'm thankful for that. God's given us all those years uh, together, and, and even hard times. Um, but man, God's using it for His glory, and I'm I'm thankful for that. I really like the illustration that you used of of warfare, though, because I think you know you 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 hear about men who go into battle. You know, they're in the military and they're in war together, and they they endure the experience of war. It binds them together in a really unique way. There's a brotherhood that exists uh, among men who serve together. And I think that we need to remember that, that the hardship in marriage should produce that kind of bond. And it, rather than resulting in us turning on each other, it should cause us to have each other's back with a, with a greater intentionality maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree, man. And you just got to go through some stuff to learn some stuff. That's, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. Jay, I want to ask you a little bit though about what about the miseries that that come from our own doing. I know that's not the case here with Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, but we yeah. are going to make mistakes in marriage that are really detrimental. They're hard to overcome. Can you give us a little bit of insight about the way that we should approach misery that that is consequential? Yeah, yeah. So, so I think one of the things, like we mentioned, this is this is external persecution, external uh, difficulty that's been imposed on this marriage. Uh, you know, one of the other couples uh, that we see um, scripturally is found in, in Acts chapter 5. And, man, I think that's a stark contrast uh, to what we see with Aquila and Priscilla, Priscilla with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And, and that's a couple that actually imposed uh, maybe internal strife and internal conflict on their marriage, uh, specifically through carnality. Uh, man, th their walk with God wasn't right. Um, when you read Acts chapter five, you can tell that uh, they had a selfish focus. Um, man, they were carnal. When when people were selling land and giving it to help accommodate what what God was doing in Jerusalem, um, man, they had power to do that if they wanted, or they didn't have to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So they sold a possession, and yet they they lied to the Holy Ghost about their motive and what they were trying to do with that. And so that's an internal. Uh, that's an internal carnality that caused difficulty in their marriage. And I think, I think what we learn from their example is, man, there's a lack of repentance and, and, and humility uh, before God, before His Holy Spirit. Uh, it became an internally focused marriage. Um, 
And man, we can see from that example that, man, conniving behind the scenes, uh, man, as a husband, as a wife, um, being privy to this manipulation, uh, it didn't work out well uh, for Ananias and Sapphira. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I think what we learn from that is, man, be humble and be repentant uh, toward the Lord. And because our walk with God is going to absolutely affect our marriage. And many times mm-hmm. we bring in we bring the internal conflict uh, and internal uh, suffering into our marriages because of our own carnality. And so that's the other couple that's a stark contrast uh, to Aquila and Priscilla. And we see it in Acts chapter 5, and it's it's a lack of humility. It's a lack of repentance. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it, it makes me think, and I think we'll cover this more as we, as we this concept more as we go through the, the remainder of, of this list, but the idea that, that you know, a lot of people enter into marriage with a lot of empty and hollow promises as it concerns their relationship with Christ and their devotion to the church. Um, I know my, my dad lied to my mom <laughs> mm. as it concerned how much he loved Jesus. It was like mm. part of his pitch. Um, and it's sometimes it's not that nefarious. Sometimes it's like, you know, couples, they say to each other, hey, I really want to serve God. And they get married. And then what happens uh, is that, that you know, uh, they discover about each other that Jesus isn't at the center of what they're doing. And so there's a lot of inauthentic Christianity taking place in marriages that does produce unnecessary burden uh, within the relationship. It has an effect. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, as, as pastors, uh, you know, we see it, we see it on the counseling side of our ministry, right? People, when they come into counseling, if they will come in, uh, which by the way, if you need counseling, always go to your pastor and and be willing Mm -hmm. to, to meet with him. But we see, we see that on the counseling side of, of our, our, our privilege as a minister and as a pastor. And it's, it's just that, the expectation that was set was probably the wrong expectation, and the reality that we thought was there was actually not there. And man, the mm-hmm. house the house begins to crack and, and crumble, and uh, it, it's a very difficult thing. Yeah, but the good news is, I mean, as as we're going to look at there, there is a model that we can follow, and even yeah. um, you know, um, you know, false perspectives they can be healed. And yeah. you can come into rightness. You can come in, you can get away from an Ananias and Sapphira approach and come yes. into an Aquila and Priscilla approach to marriage. There's always hope because God's in the work of transforming things. Yeah. Amen to that. So the next thing you mentioned is that they're uh, they're not just together in misery, but they're also together in maturing, the process of maturing. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, in Acts chapter 18, Paul, Paul comes into Corinth and uh, begins to preach the gospel uh, in the synagogues there, and and according to Acts chapter eighteen and verse eight, the Bible says that many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized, and so there's this this great revival that's happening in Corinth. Uh, certainly, Aquila and Priscilla would have been a part of that. In verses ten through eleven, uh, God even tells uh, Paul he has to encourage Paul that hey, listen, uh, nobody's going to hurt you while you're here. Paul had already experienced persecution, you know, on his missionary journeys. He says, I have much people in the city. And verse 11 says that he, Paul, continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And so, and so what, what we see in Acts chapter 18 is not only the gospel getting to Corinth, 
that you know in type and picture for sure we see we see discipleship happening that Paul is now mm-hmm. maturing those saints uh, that are responding to the gospel and and listen Paul Paul's there for a year and a half I mean if you if you contrast that to like Thessalonica for instance where he's only there like three Sabbath day and and then he mm-hmm. obviously writes he writes back a couple of epistles man. Corinth had Paul for a year and a half and, uh, you know, 18 months, about the same amount of time it takes to go through the process of discipleship. And so uh, I think there's an interesting parallel with Aquila and Priscilla and and the fact that they were with Paul for that amount of time. We're going to see later that they become very capable ministers. Well, I think part of that is mm-hmm. because they ma- they matured under Paul's ministry in Corinth. I think it's an important part. They're connected to a local church, and and they were willing to learn uh, the Word of God in a discipleship manner and, and grow in their own mm. understanding of, of God's Word. It's a great picture. Yeah, and you know, I think again, just trying to look at the landscape of American Christianity and the way that families approach church. A lot of times. Uh, Parents are making decisions about where they attend and, and about which church that they're a part of based on, um, you know, what kind of activities that the church provides their family. And you think about like, you know, children's ministry, like, do they have right. what I want in terms of, of, of a, a fun and exciting, you know, children's ministry? And they're very rarely actually considering, well, what is it that my marriage needs and yeah. what do I need as an individual in terms of development? Because, you know, absent that, we can't be we can't be good spouses and we can't be mm-hmm. good parents. We can't be any of these things. We've got, we've really got to, to learn to sit at the feet of Christ and to, and to learn his word. We have to know his word. And so discipleship is, is central to that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's an important part. And, it, and it's always, again, what we see in Aquila and Priscilla is the fact they're together. Right. Uh, so it's not, it's not the wife saying, man, I'm really into discipleship and I'm just going to follow that mm-hmm. track. And, and the guy is just like, well, that's good for you. Okay, so no, uh, man, this maturing ought to be together. Uh, we 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 need to grow, and uh, you know that's sometimes the struggle. Like you mentioned, sometimes people look for what their kids can get out of church and ministry. The other thing that I've seen in ministry, you've probably seen it as well, is that only half of the the marriage uh, couple is actually interested in growing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's heartbreaking. You know, it's difficult. And, and thank God that there's a desire for one, one half. Uh, but man, it works so much better when both parties right. are, are desirous of God's, God's word and their own personal growth. Um, and that's what we see in Aquila and Priscilla, man, that they both, mm. they had a desire to grow. And God matured them through the ministry of Paul at Corinth. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Blade Spiza. I'm from Living Faith Lee Summit in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And I just want to share a little bit about LFBI. It feels like commercial and I don't want it to be that. I actually want to speak to you just as an individual who loves God and wants to serve God and give your life to Him. LFBI, though it may seem academic, is actually an opportunity for you to have an intimate walk with the Lord. And you know, you go through discipleship, you get involved in ministry, and, and as you continue to grow, God gives you stuff, and you begin investing in people. And a lot of times, uh, as you begin investing in people, you, you fail to get fed yourself. And so I know for me, 
as a growing leader in ministry, I've, I've found seasons in my life that are really dry, and LFBI has been amazing for me just to be reminded of, about how awesome the Word of God is and how faithful God has been and, and how perfect God's Word is for me. And uh, I would just encourage you this semester to, to take on a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't have time. <laughs> I, I'm so busy. You know, I, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I want to encourage you that LFBI doesn't have to be academic. You can actually approach God's Word devotionally in that time and trust Him to speak to you in the quietness of a classroom setting. If you're on the fence about LFBI, I just want to encourage you to get started uh, by signing up for a class. If you've never done it, I encourage you to, to hop in maybe to a Bible survey class or foundations. Um, if, if you've been doing LFBI for a little while and you understand the workload, take on a little bit more. Step out in faith. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. It is not uncommon for a couple to join a church, perhaps in the Living Faith Fellowship, and and um, you know enjoy the preaching. And and one of the the spouses, let's be honest, usually the wife, um, is like, hey, you know this discipleship thing, I, I really would like that. I would really like that accountability. I'd like to learn God's word. I, yeah. I'd like to be more intentional in my ministry. And so she signs up and she starts getting invested in, and the husband just thinks to himself, you know, and maybe not always the husband, but, but a lot of times. Right. And that's good for her. It's good that she has that outlet, but I'm busy, you know, I work a lot or blah, 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 blah. And so they, they are in their best intentions living a Christian life, but they're not getting invested in at a deeper level addressing the nuances of their life, um, allowing God's word to get into the crevices um, and the dark places of their life. And, 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 and it affects the family because the wife and the husband are not presenting a united front in terms of their growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it does happen, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but man, God, mm -hmm. God, God's given us a great example here that, hey, listen, uh, be together, encourage each other's growth, be excited about each other's growth, um, there's so many things that in the home that benefits the home. It benefits the husband-wife relationship. It benefits the children uh, when that thing's in order. And so, uh, yeah, man, God can God can yeah. God can heal that situation uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's cool too because you know the Bible is pretty explicit about a wife that chooses to follow Christ and grow in her relationship with the Lord when the husband doesn't. Um, yeah. Man, it's her service to him and her love for him that actually produces the conviction that he needs to say, yeah. you know what, there's something to this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He gets he gets to see it in a very real way uh, day to day in his own. Oh, yeah. So the next thing that you mentioned is that they're together in the mission. And I, and I think that this is really the thing that maybe distinguishes them the most from what we see in contemporary Christianity is this idea that, that Aquila and Priscilla really were together and devoted to the purposes of Christ. Yeah, so uh, so a little bit later in that same chapter, Acts chapter 18, after Paul's year and a half in Corinth, uh, the Bible says that he took his leave of the brethren in Acts 18 and verse 8. He sailed thence into Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, and, so, and so, man, what we see is this, this engagement of this couple now uh, not just in their local church at Corinth, not just with a discipleship relationship, you know, under Paul's ministry, but now we see a couple that's willing to go uh, for the mission's sake. And so, man, they're actually willing to 
to cash it all in, right? They're, they're not locked into their, no offense, dream home uh, in Corinth. <laughs> they're, not, they're not locked into their uh, forever job, their forever, you know, place. No, they're, right. they're willing to... They're willing actually to, to cash it in and say, look, man, uh, there's a mission that's greater than us, and, and let's give our life to that. And so, mm. and so this is the beginning of their, their missionary work, if you will. They're, they're going to go with Paul, uh, continue with him during his mission journey. Later on, we're going to see God use them mightily in Ephesus. And, but the willingness uh, to actually go and get engaged is, is the key point here. And I think, I think for married couples, man— there, there comes a point where you have to consider the mission. You got to count mm-hmm. the cost, and then you got to just say, "Hey, we're all in, no matter what it's going to cost us." Yeah, tell us about that progression a little bit. Like from your perspective, I mean, obviously, most couples don't go, you know, from discipleship to the mission field. Not that that's an impossibility, <laughs> but, but right. usually there's steps. There's steps yeah. in terms of their approach to the mission. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think, well, for us, let me just share maybe a personal uh, testimony. For us, I got saved in college. My wife got saved her senior year of high school. And so we were discipled uh, before we were married. Um, and then we had the privilege of serving in the same ministry. Uh, we met in our college ministry. Years later, God would would bring us together to be married. Um, and so... And so, but but I will say this, like for us personally, uh, not that this is the standard, God had already done our, a work in both of our lives individually through discipleship, uh, through missions conferences, through serving in our local body, that, hey, this is, this is really what life is all about. And, and so for us, when, when God brought us together to be married, I remember that was one of the first conversations uh, that we had was, okay... And if God's in this, and I believe He is, we're gonna we're gonna surrender our life for the mission. Um, and, and not every couple has that opportunity, maybe to have that conversation. We were we were privileged to have that conversation. That hey, we're gonna get married uh, and trust God uh, to use us for His glory, no matter what. And we're willing to go wherever He would lead us. And so, even though our heart was was willing, it was years later. Uh, before God would allow us to be sent out uh, by our local church and, and for mm-hmm. me to take over church and pastor. And so that process looked like, you know, certainly salvation and baptism and discipleship, but then approving out in ministry in my local church. And, mm-hmm. and, and those responsibilities that my leaders deemed, you know, something that I could get involved with and just being faithful and, and letting God use you where you are, and certainly having a desire for, for the world, but not forsaking what God's put right in front of you this week, next week. I mean, just being consistent in the daily and weekly uh, ministry opportunities that God gives you. And so, so God walked us through preparation. There was discipleship. There was discipleship too. There was ministry training. But then also God gave us a working out of, of, of those things in our local church. And, mm-hmm. and again, you see that, and in you your see home that with, too. A, yeah. And in our home for sure. Like God, God gave us, uh, you know, years later, we were married 10 years, uh, before we had our first, our first kid. And so Nora, Nora mm-hmm. came along 10 years later. And then I re- really realized how much I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's kids thought, do that. 
Yeah. I thought I knew some things and didn't realize I was an idiot. So. Mm. Yeah, no, I think, I think that that's really important. I think what you're talking about is exactly what, what families need to hear because, you know, we're talking about these different character qualities of Aquila and Priscilla. And it seems almost as though the couples maybe should be able to just snap their fingers and, and, you know, if they just put the stake down and say, Hey, we're going to be devoted to the mission, you know, and just kind of, um, it's good to say that it's good to yeah. make those declarations, but yeah. it is a process of becoming the person yeah. that Christ has made you to be. Yeah. I think, and I think that's why when you study, you know, the requirements, for instance, in, in first Timothy three and in, in Titus chapter one for, for spiritual mm-hmm. leaders in the church, there is such a strong uh, emphasis on character. And many times that it, it reflects back to your home of how you lead your wife and, and how mm-hmm. uh, she's submissive to her husband and, and how he loves her as Christ loves the church and how you how you raise your children uh, in your home. I mean, how can you rule the house of God if you can't rule in your own home, right? There's this, right. Th- there's this proving out of your maturity in your marriage with your family uh, that God uses to equip you to do ministry. Yeah, for sure. Which I think is a, a really great segue into the next point that you make is that they are together in ministry. And so this is where we get details into what they were doing when they were on the mission field, when they were going and, and doing the work of the Lord. We, we get some details about what that looked like. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So, so you know, in, in Acts chapter 18, now Paul uh, lands in Ephesus. And, and as he gets there, he actually leaves Aquila and Priscilla as he continues on uh, in some other areas. And so... It's in Ephesus that a that this man named Apollos shows up in the scriptures, Acts chapter eighteen, verses twenty four to twenty eight, and and the Bible says that Apollos man is a he's an eloquent man, he's mighty in the scriptures. He comes to Ephesus, and he's he's been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. It says he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John, and and so you know. Aquila, or excuse me, Apollos, he knows some things and he's fervent about some things, uh, but he hasn't got the most recent update on what God is doing mm-hmm. yeah. concerning, you know, concerning the church. And and he's still, he's still preaching John's baptism, which is a baptism of remission of sin for the nation of Israel. And so, mm-hmm. and so he shows up in the synagogue and Aquila and Priscilla, you know, they're in attendance that day. They hear him preaching. And the Bible says in verse 26 that, that when they heard him, they took him, Apollos, unto them, and they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And so they were able to minister the word of God together to this man uh, that was a little, little late to the party. He just hadn't got mm-hmm. the most recent revelation. And God used this husband and wife, this ministry team, to actually expound the scriptures unto him more perfectly, more completely. And so, right. you know, the, I think the picture there and the and the takeaway is that, man, both Apo- uh, Aquila and Priscilla were versed in the scriptures. They were established in the Word of God, and they were able to communicate that to benefit other people, to help other people. And, and by the way... Uh, Apollos was willing to receive it, you know. Right. Uh, here, yeah. Here's a man who was still humble uh, toward the Word of God, and and he he took corrective teachings, 
and actually was better because of it. And it was because of their ministry into his life that, man, he became a more capable minister. And so it's an amazing yeah. picture that these two are together and they're both established in God's word. And they're both encouraging this man to, man, hey, actually, let's go back and, and study this more. And he gets straightened out on his doctrine. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture. Yeah, it is. And I think this portion of their story gives us the most insight into, at least for me, into their their character. Mm-hmm. Um, these are two people that were bold enough to go and and speak with him and put themselves out there, right? They could have been rejected. They could have been, uh, yeah. you know, refused. Uh, and yet they were willing to, to together to take a risk because they saw a need. Um, and so we see them kind of uh, making themselves vulnerable in that way, but they also uh, it implies that they he follows them and they they kind of bring him into their world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can imagine him sitting in their home and and sitting down and and having dinner together. And they're share there's a there's a clear picture here that they're sharing life, and that there's a there's a hospitality taking place. There's mm-hmm. a there's a devotion of of not just the teaching of God's word, but also the modeling and the example and the familial aspects, the maternal and paternal aspects of investing in someone. And I think that that's really, really important for us in terms of the picture. Yeah. I I think it's, I think all those things are right on, man. They, they had a heart for him, for Apollos, instead of Hmm. automatically being against Apollos or, or blasting Apollos or, you know, making a public example, man, the private, conversation, taking taking him unto them, right? Uh, they had a love yeah. for him as much as they had a love for the Word of God. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful, again, what a beautiful picture of just compassion towards someone that needed a mm. little bit of help. And, and man, thank God they, they did it in a way that was loving, like a father, like a mother. And uh, yeah, there, there probably needs to be a little more of that, right, in our churches and oh man, in our in well, our as ministries. you're speaking, I'm trying to think what's the contrast to that. I think a lot of a times when I think about the way that you know, um, when I imagine, let's just say, when I imagine for a second, the way a lot of married couples work, um, that in the home, like a marriage relationship, there can be a lot of inbreeding of thought, right. So right. you both like agree, you learn over time to really agree with each other a lot. And there's right. a lot of, did you see so-and-so right. today? Did right. you, did you, uh, uh, can you believe that da, 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 da? And, right. and so there's these kinds of conversations that, that could potentially happen in a marriage relationship. Right. But, but I think Aquila and Priscilla stand as it's a stark contrast to what so many of us know in our marriage relationship, it's like lots of judgment, lots of criticism, lots of yeah. uh, high and mighty, th- and proud, arrogant thinking. Like we know better, we've we've got some things figured out. Here you have two people that um, don't pass judgment. Right, right. They just reach out. They just reach out. Yeah, it wasn't a. It wasn't roast the pastor after the service. Right. That what's for lunch? Roast pastor. <laughs> As we right, talk about on the what car he, ride home, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what he said that we don't agree with. No, they they actually right for the mission's sake, and I think for his sake, man, and for the Lord's sake, they loved him enough to say, "It's obvious God has His hand on you. Uh, would you be willing to let us help you?" And man, if we all go back to the book and we're just humble, uh, man, truth always wins. You know, truth always mm. prevails. And um, 
and yeah, so it, it's an awesome example of how to how to treat other people. Yeah, for sure. Tell us about being together in multiplication. Okay, so you know we we continue to see these guys show up throughout the book, uh, throughout the New Testament, and so First Corinthians sixteen. Uh, now Paul is is writing back and uh, writing this epistle back to Corinth, and in First Corinthians sixteen and verse nineteen, it says, "The churches of Asia salute you." Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. And so, I mean, it, it, that just blows my mind that, okay, not only are, are Priscilla and Aquila missional, man, they're, they're willing to go with Paul. Uh, they're willing to go on a mission journey. They're, they're willing to minister to guys like Apollos. But now ministry has now multiplied back into their home and, and they're a part of a multiplied ministry uh, because there's actually a church in their house. And so, mm-hmm. again, it's like, it's it's just a, a bought-in husband and wife that says, man, we're going all the way. And uh, mm-hmm. God has a heart for his church. That's what he that's what he bled out and died for. When we study the New Testament, and it's, it's certainly preaching the gospel, making disciples, it's planting churches. And now they're... Yeah. They're fully cashed in. Their home becomes a place for ministry. Um, and, and what a great privilege uh, to actually have a church in their, ho- in their home. And, uh, yeah. and so, yeah, you're seeing God multiplies ministry through their home. One of the things about the Living Faith Fellowship is that, uh, you know, we really believe in, in, in Bible study, uh, in home Bible study. We, we love church planting. Um, mm-hmm. All of our churches are... are plotting and scheming and praying about what it looks like to plant churches. It's what we think about. It preoccupies a lot of our thoughts. Um, but this, you know, this example teaches us a lot about the need of church planting, um, yeah. the kind of people that are equipped to do it. Um, here we have a husband and wife who are like, yeah, whatever resource we have, uh, that's right. what we're going to provide. If, if we've got a living space that people can gather in and if that's mm-hmm. what the church requires, um, we're going to do that. And so you see, again, here, um, an example of true sacrifice for the mission's sake. Yeah. I've told, uh, I've told our, our church many times, sometimes our, our greatest enemy is our garage door. You know, we get home mm-hmm. and we kind of we just shut the door to, to the world and sometimes even to ministry opportunities. And, and God's blessed us with a home, certainly to, to have our, a place where we can dwell and to raise our children uh, but man, in our home, uh, ministry should be happening in our home. And uh, yeah. you know, my wife, my wife and I, again, I, I just go back to personal testimonies. We got married, you know, 23 years ago. Uh, we we had nothing. I mean, we had like nothing. We were just living on love because that's all we had. Do I like? We didn't have money. We didn't have nice <laughs> furniture. We didn't have anything. Right. But we had an apartment uh, in Decatur, and man, that thing was like a, a split level or a. Uh, you know, uh, upstairs, downstairs, townhouse apartment, mm-hmm. bedrooms, two bedrooms upstairs. Downstairs was like uh, kitchen, dining room together, maybe about mm-hmm. ten feet, <laughs> and then about another yeah. fifteen feet of living room. <laughs> I mean, it was like a sardine can, man. <laughs> but I but bet we trained people in that place, bro. <laughs> uh, you can get forty people in that in that amount of space, easy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> easy. Uh, and, and then you cook spaghetti because that's all you can afford to cook. <laughs> you can feed a lot of people cheap with spaghetti. 
And so, <laughs> but from the very beginning, we were like, hey, if God, if God gives us a home, um, man, if God gives us an apartment, we want to open that thing up. And um, we had small groups uh, that would come over. We did discipleship, you know, on our couch at our kitchen table. Uh, we just, we just fell in love with the fact that, man, if, if God would use this, it, it would be a, it would be a privilege for God use using our home for His glory, and uh, mm-hmm. man, I'm very I'm very thankful for the stories. You know, if my kitchen table could talk, uh, there'd be some amazing mm. ministry stories that could be told. Man, man, praise God, and and God used it to establish a multiplying work for sure. Yeah. I'm sure you can think back on all those names and the faces, the people that were in that, uh, yeah. you know, in that tiny townhome um, over the years. I bet. You know, maybe not all of them, but I bet a lot of them are still serving the Lord today, and now yeah. they're doing a multiplying work, and and you can point to how God used that sacrifice. Yeah. Go ahead and tell us about being together in martyrdom. Tell us about uh, about what that looks like and what that means. Uh, again, back to uh, Aquila and Priscilla, man. One more thing that God's Word tells us uh, about their character is in Romans 16, uh, and in verses 3 and 4, Paul calls... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, his helpers in Christ Jesus. And then in verse four, it says, who have laid down, uh, who for my life have laid down their own necks. And again, what a picture of the commitment level that Aquila and Priscilla had uh, for the Lord and even for Paul personally. And I think I think what you see in that in that in that text is a willingness, to just lay down their life, man. They're, they're willing mm-hmm. to die for the mission. They're, they're, it's so valuable to them that they're just going to go all the way, uh, even to the point of of their own demise in this in this world. Um, Paul calls them his helpers. You know that's a unique word in Scripture. Uh, God gave yeah. Adam an helpmeet in Eve, uh, all the way back in the Book of Genesis, and so even with Paul. And his relationship to Aquila Priscilla, you have a, a microcosm of Christ in the church because, man, Paul, Paul again, a picture of Christ, Aquila and Priscilla, a picture of, of the ministry partners that are helping Paul. They're his helper, and, uh, and they're just going all the way, man. They're going to lay down their life mm-hmm. for, the, for the Lord's sake and for the ministry. And, and, you know, it was a real possibility, right? Like li- living in that world, it was a real possibility that they were going to lose their lives for the mission's sake. And, and, yeah. uh, you know, I think, uh, it seems like a, a, a heavy calling seems yeah. steep, but, uh, what other kind of marriage are you going to have? I mean, really, uh, that's going to, that's going to be meaningful anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's, uh, and that, and that point for me personally is just, a, you know, if you, if you say, man, where do I want to be, uh, who are the heroes that, that I can look up to, well, this this would be them, and there's other there's other people certainly in in my own personal life that man I've I've seen them do things that are like, oh man, that's you're my hero. I mean, you go to places that mm-hmm. no one is willing to go. You endure things that no one else is willing to endure, and you're doing it all for the gospel's sake, and you're doing it right there with your with your wife or with your family, and uh, man, it it just should encourage us and motivate us that man, it's worth it. It really is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you're in the center of God's call on your life, 
uh, those decisions become much easier. I think yeah. that's the main thing is that once you get to a place where you've counted all the costs, um, living that kind of marriage is yeah. not a big deal. Moving your family, not a big yeah. deal. Going to a hard place, getting a yeah. new job, getting paid less, um, you know, all of these things become trivial when yeah. your heart is bent towards uh, the will of God. Yeah, amen to that. You know, as we close, um, could you could you just remind us uh, why marriage is worth making an investment in? So we're coming on the heels of wedstrong. Um, man, God really used that mightily in a lot of people's lives. Um, maybe you could just share with us, you know, a reason why people should try to attend wedstrong next year or or do something intentionally to make an investment in their marriage through their local church. Why is it worth doing? Why do we need it so desperately? Yeah, well, we just we need it because that is the first institution that God gave us. Man, marriage is a gift, but if we don't understand the purpose of of His gift to us in that in that relationship, man, we'll live out our life um, without purpose. And and what we mm-hmm. think is a good marriage, and and what we think is a good life, or maybe even a good family, uh, you know, not to be, uh, you know. Not to, to go preachy, but man, at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, some of those things are just going to come into clear focus. And uh, and so if I can encourage the viewers, man, your marriage is a gift from God, but it has a unique purpose, and it's to bring honor and glory to Him. It's it's to be a picture of Christ in the church uh, and to mm-hmm. fulfill the ministry uh, that God has called us to do. And so things like Wedstrong, man, are such an encouragement uh, for me, for my wife, uh, it, it makes sure that we are in focus to, to what God would have us to do. And it, and, it, and it reveals the things that I need as a husband and that she needs as a wife to help us to be more like Christ in our relationship to each other. And uh, it's such a worthy investment. And uh, yeah, I hope, I hope that's an encouragement. And I would encourage everyone that's watching this or listening to this, uh, man, make the investment in your marriage because it's absolutely a blessing and it's worth it. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for making the investment in other people's marriage, both through today's episode, but also through the preaching at Wedstrong. Uh, Jay, you're you're a wonderful friend. Um, you and you're a unique brother in the fellowship. Uh, we need you. Um, you're you're critical to all of us, and so we're we're thankful for community fellowship, and we're thankful for your friendship and and for your time today. Yeah, thank you again, Brandon. It's good to hang out with you guys, and man, I love you and love the ministry and uh, love the fellowship and. Uh, Man, looking forward to maybe seeing everybody again next year. Yeah, that would be great. And we want to thank you as well for hanging out with us today for this episode of The Postscript. We pray that it was a blessing to you. We pray that these become talking points uh, between you and the Lord in your quiet time. But but if you have an open door, even with your spouse, maybe this is maybe this is an episode that you could gently share with your spouse and, and you could challenge yourselves in your marriage or you could share this episode with your friends or family members that you believe also need to to hear this word. Our marriages are a gift from God and they can be hard, they can be difficult, there can be trial, um, there can be false expectations, but all of these things are tempered and and addressed in patience when we pursue Christ with everything we have and he is so worth it. And, uh, and so let's make our marriages count for something. Let's, let's make them uh, kind of transcend this temporal and comfortable materialistic world that we live in. And uh, let's use them to further the cause of Christ. And it'll be so much more rich. And you'll, uh, you'll come to love your spouse more because of it. And, um, and so with that, we want to 
uh, invite you again to mark your calendar next year for Wedstrong. We'd love to see you there. Um, but also, if you have a desire to grow in your knowledge of God's Word, LFBI is something that you can do with your spouse. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. You and your spouse can take courses together, and you can study together and read together, and, and it can really be a blessing to you. And so we want to also uh, ask you to consider whether or not LFBI is something that you might want to do in order to grow in your relationship with the Lord and, and maybe even your relationship with your spouse. And so visit lfbi.org, check out our course of study, look at all the, the uh, wonderful classes that we're offering uh, next semester. But but we love you. We're, we're, we're thankful for the time that we have with you on The Postscript. This show means so much to us um, and uh, you mean so much to us. The, the listeners mean so much to us and uh, you're our motivation for continuing to do it. So uh, we're grateful for the time we had today, and we are looking forward to spending more time with you next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, Please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.